0: Some promise Endless joy, perfect peace, earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate Jesus, Jesus is alive. will never be the same,
1: Father. Praise You, Lord. Thank You, God. All the glory, Lord. Thank You, God, that You have washed all of our sin away. We give You glory today, God. We thank You, Jesus, that You died on that cross for us. Thank You, God. Today, we don't take that for granted. We thank You. We honour You. We give You all glory. In Jesus' name, may you be glorified. May you be exalted in this place today. Amen. Amen. Welcome to church this morning. It is a happy day. Yeah, we're going to declare that in this place today. It is a happy day. Jesus made the way. Isn't that great? You may be seated. Welcome to Activate Chapel Gathering this morning. Fantastic team up here this morning. Thank you. If you're here for the first time today, we'd love to give you a special welcome. It's great to have you with us. Church, how about you welcome our guests this morning? Fantastic. It's great to have you with us. And we'd love you to grab a a guest bag on your way out just as you leave the... uh, The auditorium on your right in the foyer, there's some guest bags there for you, so please pick one up. And there is a coffee card in there that you can go and enjoy a coffee at our crossover cafe. So I think Nairi's going to be out there, so go and see Nairi. She'd love to see you and chat with you after the gathering. It's great to have you with us. Well, Sherrod and I are back from India and Thailand with the team. We just got back yesterday. Uh, had a great, a very successful trip. I'm sorry if I can't get my words out quite right. Need um, a few extra sleeps, but everything went really well. Nobody got sick. We had the team there from uh, pa- pa- the pastor from pa- Pastor Richard from Papakura, Activate Papakura. We had Andrew Routon, and Pastor Andrew from Activate Raglan with us. We had Pastor Gary from Activate. Uh, Tokoroa and Pam Wilson, the uh, head of uh, School of Early Childhood at Vision College, she was with us working with the early childhood teachers in in the um, in the early childhood in, in in India, in the Punjab there. So, fantastic time, uh, great uh, team building time as a team for us, but a fantastic time of uh, working with the leaders. In uh, the churches there, there's five, six, almost six uh, villages that um, they have planted churches in. So it was fantastic for us to go to um, not quite all of them, almost all of those villages and uh, speak with them and pray with them. I had the privilege of leading one beautiful lady to Jesus. It was one of my highlights, yeah, amazing, amazing time there. God kept us safe on those roads. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and then Sheridan and I headed off to see uh, Peter and Wow well in Thailand. They're doing an incredible work there. It was so neat to see what I see by you know by their emails. If you get their emails each month, they see their updates and see the pictures. Well, I got to be there with them, so that was such a privilege and got to share with people and pray with people and they got to rub my white arm (laughs) the ladies wanted to rub my white arm (laughs) I thought it was pretty special that I had a white arm (laughs) do you want to share anything Sheridan?
2: good morning morning. morning. yeah um, please keep India uh, particularly in your prayers I think they're at a pretty important stage in their um in their journey there, Pastor Roger and Karen Carter have done the most incredible job helping surrender and the team establish the church and the churches there. But um, in the last year, Pastor Roger and Karen have, have passed the responsibility to myself for that project, and there really is a lot of work to do there. It's um, it's an ongoing, long-term project, and probably. I guess uh, I can't speak for Roger the way he's approached it with Sarinda, but who's a pastor there, but it's very much my desire to come underneath what they're doing and help serve them to achieve their goal, um, not to impose our will on what they're doing, but to serve them. And it, it's, it's ve- it became very aware on this trip, Pastor Sarinda, really, actually surprisingly really opened up because I think we're still in the relationship building stage, you know, it's early days. And it is a long-term project. But he really opened up to us. And he's very, very tired. He's been at it for 20 years. And, um, and, you know, it's it's not like New Zealand. You can't just pack up and go away for the weekend. He's very tired. And um, my assessment of the situation is he's actually trying to give out of nothing. He hasn't got the skill. He hasn't got the knowledge. He's a lovely guy. Uh, but he hasn't got the skill and knowledge that he needs to really empower the other pastors on his team. So that needs to be our project in the short term is to get him connected, make sure we can get him full and fully resourced so that he can be effective. uh, But maybe even more importantly than that, so he can feel encouraged and feel like what they're doing is really making a difference here. So keep them in your prayers. It'd be really good. Thanks.
1: Great. Let's pray now. Yeah, God, I thank you that you are with them right now. I thank you for your encouragement breathed into them, God, for both the the Punjab team and for Peter and Wow. I thank you for the work that they're doing there. And God, I thank you for all all of our missionaries. God, pour out your blessing upon them. Pour out your encouragement upon them. Thank you for your provision for each and every one of them. Thank you, God, for overflow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's celebrate our birthdays, eh? Who's had a birthday in the past week or a wedding anniversary? Fantastic, come and join me. Let's get the chocolates out. Is it birthday, Doug? Happy birthday. I know. Awesome. Is it wedding anniversary? 43 years. Congratulations. (laughs) Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Today. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, isn't that fantastic? Church on your birthday. (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's stand together, church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate amen. your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. So next week, we have got 10 a.m. gathering happening next week. So no 9 a.m. happening, no 10.30, but 10 a.m. next week. We're having a special Thanksgiving gathering next week 10am so what time next week 10am 10 10 a.m. and then from then on until sometime end of january beginning of february keep your eyes out we have got 10am gatherings every every week from then on so yeah last 9am for the year yeah it just popped up on us quickly didn't it but 10am is going to be fantastic because we get together all together as a church family. So, so that's going to be great. And we're going to enjoy giving thanks together next Sunday. Also, we've got our volunteers appreciation lunch. So if you have volunteered in any way at all during this year, we would love to say thank you by having lunch, by feeding you lunch together at the lake. And you can probably guess what we may be having on the menu. So (laughs) we do need you to RSVP, though, because otherwise we're not going to cater enough for you. So please, if you can come to the lunch, we need you to RSVP by tomorrow. So you can do that if you like at the hub after the gathering or uh, send an email or phone the office by tomorrow. That would be great. And then we can get it all ordered and... Uh, everything organised for next Sunday lunch. If the weather's not good, pray for good weather. If the weather's not good, we'll, we'll have it here. We have the party here. Yes. So that's going to be fantastic. Okay. Rachel Davis. Where are you, Rachel? Here she is. Rachel is going to bring us the psalm this morning. Thank you, Rachel. Let's give her a hand.
3: Good morning, church. We're reading Psalm 38, a psalm of David asking God to remember him. O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord, you hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly, my strength fails and I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. Meanwhile, my enemies lay traps to kill me. Those who wish me harm make plans to ruin me. All day long they plan their treachery. But I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing and I make no reply, for I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord my God. I prayed, don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall. I am on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain, but I confess my sins. I am deeply sorry for what I have done. I have many aggressive enemies. They hate me without reason. They repay me evil for good and oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Saviour. We'll take a few minutes to meditate on God's word.
1: This can't we? But our saviour has come. Our saviour has come. Thank you, Lord, that we live on this side of it. Richard Carter, would you come and Richard's going to share a testimony with us? And I I hear it links in quite well with this psalm. So how about you give Richard a hand? Thank you.
4: Of the events in Paris 10 days ago, you sort of wonder if the, the psalmist had been through something close to that. In Paris on Friday the 13th, there was a real challenge to our notion of, of what is good, a challenge to our hopes for the future, a challenge for our love for each other, and a challenge for our tolerance of each other's differences and a real challenge to the value that we put on life. And it was interesting, heartwarming even, to see the the outpouring of prayer for the victims, their families and communities. And that every community leader, every celebrity, every world leader was in some shape or form or statement saying that they were praying for the victims, their families and their communities. And the cynic in me heard all this, the start of this week and, and I've said in the past that there's, there's not many atheists at a funeral and there's no atheists in a plane that's gonna crash. And, I was thinking that you know, that's, there's got to be something in this that is a testimony of God's goodness in the community. Then on Thursday night I saw it. It was opinion, an opinion piece in the Waikato Times by Rosemary MacLeod. Now I don't normally read her columns because in the past I've found that there's, there's very little of what she says that I can agree with. But the headline from Rosemary McLeod was, was cause for thanks in Christianity. And I knew that's God's goodness in the community. But she, she wrote this opinion piece and she starts off by the statement, it's been embarrassing to admit to a Christian background. so so necessary to mock it for so long that I've almost forgotten why I found it annoying at the time she says later I mocked the churches in general then she says I think however, however loopy I think however loopy Christianity can be and it can be very loopy it is pure benevolence compared to the IS cult it's intolerance insignificant. Then she says, the Christian message is hope, which is no bad thing. While the followers of IAS seem to have none. It declares that each human life has value, while they value death. And most of all, it being the Christian life, gave us the underlying beliefs. Do as you would be done by, be kind that we all live by. She says, if there was no force in the world greater than myself, I would be worried. So yes, it has rubbed off on me, like it or not. Then she says, does middle-class Pākehā squeamishness dictate how we live? Our fear of causing offence, out, out of fear of causing offence, have we become simply pathetic? And one of her concluding statements is, "But I believe, maybe Christianity did this to me—that good has to triumph over evil, however long it takes—and that evil is a real force in the world. There's plenty of evidence of that. So, out of all this, um, all this, this heartache and and the." events of the past week, here is one person who I am praying that the Lord will continue to touch. He started that and long may it continue. And, And I believe there'll be thousands more around the world that have been touched by the events of the world and what they have seen in the world in contrast to that. And they will follow that path in days to come.
5: Powerful, powerful, stuff. Just invite you now to stand. Father God, we come before you, Lord, in thanksgiving for what you've done for us, Father. That the victory is already won, Lord. We want to worship you, Father, with all that we have, Lord. With every breath, Lord. May your praise be on our lips, Father. May your name be lifted high in this earth, Lord God. The earth you love so much, Lord. The people you love so much, Father. We love you, Father. Your will be done, Lord. I will extol the
0: Lord at all times. His
5: praise will always be.
0: You're the
1: us seek me seek me and I will answer you but seek me and I will deliver you from all your fear so this morning I believe that some of us have got fear that is just going round and round and round And God's saying, Seek me. Seek me. I will answer you. I will remove the fear and I will replace it with faith. But seek me.
6: We thank you for your presence Lord there is nothing like your presence thank you for the psalmist who said you will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and Father I thank you we can stand Lord, with joy in our hearts with peace in our souls in the very presence of God Father, I thank you in your presence this perfect love that casts out every fear. Father, right now I pray, may the glory of your love, Lord, be manifested to each one of us. Maybe church, just where you are, open your hands to heaven and receive of the very love of God. His love is for you, his love is in you, his love is upon you by his spirit. Holy Spirit we thank you for pouring your love, the love of God into our hearts as it says in Romans 5 shed abroad by the Holy Spirit is the love of God thank you for it Father thank you for your goodness thank you for your grace thank you for your favour, thank you for this place that Lord we can be gathered here this morning To praise you, to give you thanks, to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Great to see you this morning. You're doing well? Very good. And it's wonderful to have Pastor Sheridan and Jan back all the way from India. So let's give them a big hand this morning. So wonderful, it's great to hear that they had a wonderful time, and I'm sure the boys are so delighted to um, have them back as well. So that's very cool. Thank you too, Richard, for your testimony. That was was wonderful, wasn't it? I'll pull the seat over, that would be better for the water. I don't want to spill water over the keys. That wouldn't be very good, would it? No, that would... Craig, would you mind helping me with the PowerPoint here? It's just something's on the screen, and I don't know quite what it is. But, um, yeah, okay, it wasn't one. That's good. Um, Last week, or last time, I spoke from Philippians chapter 1, and today we're looking at Philippians chapter 2. And I just want to give you a brief recap um, over Philippians 1, just very, very briefly. And um, look at that. There we go. Isn't that good? Thank you very much. Well done, Craig. So we, we, we've been looking at the whole thing of relationships, and uh, Paul starts Philippians 1, verse 3, Every time I think of you, I give thanks. Then he concludes uh, near the end of the chapter saying, We have the privilege of trusting God and also the privilege of suffering for Him. And we sort of read that and you go, Really, Lord? Really, is it a privilege to, to suffer? And I drew this point that, you know, when we go through tough times, we can often say, I'm not good enough. I need to pray more. I need to read the Bible more. I need to go to church more. Now, that, whether that's the case or not, it's not what God's looking for. He's not looking for your, um, your morals to put you right for God. It's not about your goodness, And equally for a person who doesn't believe God and something tragic happens, they can say, well, if God was good enough, that wouldn't have happened. So the believer goes, well, I'm not good enough. And the atheist or the person who's the cynic might go, well, God's not good enough. But the Bible says God is good. And that's it. God makes a statement, I'm good. He doesn't call it for debate. And then he invites us to trust him. And that's the story from Genesis to Revelation, is trust me. Trust me. When things are going really well, trust me. When things are not going well, trust me. When you can't make sense of situations, trust me. Jesus on the cross said seven famous things. The last thing he said was, Father, into your hands I trust. I entrust my spirit. Jesus on the cross didn't say, well, I'm not quite good enough. I should have done this more. I should have prayed more. I should have read my Bible more. Nor did he say, God, you're just not good enough. He knew God is good. And his response to the goodness of God, regardless of his circumstances, was, I trust you. I trust you. And I believe that's the invitation that Father God is giving to you and I today is to trust him. I love the psalm that we've just heard. It's a little bit morbid, isn't it? A little bit sort of heavy, a little bit tough. But here's the thing I love about it. Here's a man, David, in despair and distress, and he's pouring his heart out to God. Isn't that a good thing? He's not keeping it within him. He's pouring it out from him. And I take great encouragement that here is a mighty man of God pouring his heart out to God. And it is so good. And church, I want to encourage you. Let's be a people that can pour our hearts out to God. Do you know, I remember one time I was going through a, a very challenging situation. And I read a scripture that I thought that's exactly what I need. And with tears rolling down my face, I said, God... You've written this, now you deliver on it. I, I am crying out to you. Make this happen, God. Your word says it. I know I don't need any if, buts, or maybes. I need you to come through. And do you know what I felt God say to me at the end of that? I've been waiting for that. It's about time you let me know how you feel. And God did come through. And I rejoice at his goodness. Isn't that cool? So we covered those things. What I didn't say last time was to give some practical skills of how to help people that are going through some tough times. Here are four Ps. You can take notes. Four Ps. The first one is be practical with people. Give them a meal. Mow their lawns. Help out some practical way. It's really, really easy, but it's really, really simple. I can remember a man who wrote a letter to me over 30 years ago when my mum died. I didn't, hardly knew him. He was a family friend. And he just wrote a letter to me. I've never forgotten it. His name was Mr. Barsanti. And I thought, just a practical little thing. And here I is, as I still remember it. So be practical. Secondly, be present with people. And present means you don't have to have all the answers. People are not looking for the answers. They're looking for people to be present who can come alongside, who can listen. And when you listen with somebody, and uh, let's say they've, they've broken their leg, they don't want to hear you tell the story where when you broke your leg and broke your arm and broke your collar bar, they wanna be, you need to be present with them to hear their story. Be a good listener. You need to be positive around people. I heard of a wonderful story from a lady very recently who said that her baby was very unwell and a doctor would come, this was many years ago, a doctor would come and see her regularly to uh, examine her child. And it was a pretty tough situation, very tough. But he said these one set of simple words, I can tell this baby is well cared for 20 years ago. Those positive words. Present, being positive, and then we can be prayerful with people. Coming alongside and praying, adding our weight with them, standing with them, sharing the word of God. It makes a world of difference. Four Ps being practical, being present, being positive, and being prayerful. Pretty cool way. Very good. Well, this morning we're looking at Philippians chapter 2 on healthy, happy relationships. And um, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the joy of being in your presence and, Lord, the joy of coming around your word. May your word speak to us, empower us, infuse us to be more like Jesus. And Father, I pray that we would, Lord, receive your anointing this morning To enable that to be all a reality. And everyone said, Amen. Well, in the book of Philippians, Paul uses the word joy 16 times. He uses the word about developing mindfulness and being on one mind over 10 times. And uh, this church, as we've talked about before, is one of the most um, vibrant churches in what we would call Asia Minor, as Paul described it. It's the first church plant in Europe and uh, Paul is just, he is so upbeat, he's so positive about this church, he holds them up as a model church. And he comes into Philippians 2 after outlining the things about um, thinking and giving thanksgiving to God and trusting God, and he comes in with a very powerful appeal um, in Philippians chapter 2. He, it starts off with four questions, the four rhetorical questions, and a rhetorical question is really it's a figure of a speech where you give or say a question, and you're not expecting an answer, but the point is made. For example, my sons would open the fridge up, and just and the fridge would be full of food, and they would look in there as though there was nothing in there, and I could say this rhetorical question, how long are you going to look in that fridge for? Now, I'm not really expecting an answer. And if they said something like five minutes and 34 seconds, I'd probably give them five minutes and 34 (laughs) seconds. So, a rhetorical question is an indirect way of of making a direct statement, which would be close the fridge. So, that's a negative rhetorical statement. There's lots of positive ones. You know, a a rhetorical positive question would be um, is the sea salty? We don't need to answer that, of course it is. Is, is the sun hot? Well, of course it is. Uh, is the sky blue? Well, of course it is. So Paul starts off Philippians 2 with four rhetorical questions, and he's looking for this response with us, going, yes, of course it is. Yes, of course it is. He's not asking for these questions to be answered, but just internally we go, yes, of course it is. Yes, yes, that's my experience. Yes, of course it is. So this is what he says. Uh, in Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Just ask, well, of, of course there is. Yeah, abs, abs. why don't we say that? Of course there is. Yes, of course there is. And he goes on to say, well, is there any comfort from his love? Well, of course there is. And he goes on, is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Well, of course there is. So, Paul has asked three rhetorical questions, which we're going, yeah, of course there is. And it's very interesting. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? I feel like a museo just behind here right now. <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells. Yeah. Oh, dearie me. Um, <laughs> these rhetorical questions is there any encouragement? The word encouragement is paraclete, to come alongside. Is there any comfort from his love? That's the the Greek word agape. This is talking about the love of God, the love of the Father. Is there any fellowship? This Greek word koinonia, which I've spoken about before, it's only used 19 times, but it's a very rich word about being on the same page, having fellowship together, communion together, being like-minded, sharing things together. And so What Paul is very cleverly doing, he's saying there's encouragement from Christ, there's love from the Father, and there's fellowship in the Spirit. Here is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, that Paul has woven into the Scripture and saying that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have perfect unity and perfect harmony and perfect agreement. And he goes on to his fourth rhetorical question, Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Yes, of course. I'm pleased nobody read Our, our Hearts Tenderized, <laughs> but they are tender to one another. So, these four questions, these rhetorical questions, and we respond to, Of course, of course it is. Yes, of course it is. Paul has laid these questions out so we're in a place of agreement setting a platform for what Paul is going to say next. And this is the platform that he wants us to land on. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. So Paul's going with these four things we agree on. Now make me really happy by let's agree together. So he lists a number of things. He lists... In fact, before we get there, I'm going to tell you why unity is important. Unity honors God. Unity is a key ingredient for effective teamwork. Unity is not accidental, it's intentional. And unity means the main thing is the main thing. God expects unity because he models it. So, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. And he goes, by loving one another. Now, I I need your input now. So, and I'm going to ask you, what are some of the things that we can agree on together? Paul says, let's agree on loving one another. What else could we agree on? Be good to one another. That's good. Something else we could agree on? Helping one another. Goodness. Sorry? Caring for one another. What are other things we could agree on? Speaking well of. There's just heaps and heaps of things we can agree on. What about agreeing on making a difference in our community with the goodness of God? Isn't that good? What about agreeing on I'm going to show the love of God to my spouse like I've never shown before? Isn't that good? What about agreeing on that we're going to see Hamilton impacted with the good news of Jesus? Isn't that good? What about agreeing on I'm going to think about me the way God thinks about me? Wouldn't that be good? I'm going to agree on that. What about agreeing to think about my spouse or my partner the way God thinks about her or him or my children? Agreement and being intentional about it is really, really important. So Paul goes on and says, Agree with each other, loving one another, and then and working together with one mind and one purpose. And I love this picture of the All Blacks and the scrums. You know, there they are, down against uh, Australia in the World Cup final. There's Richie McCaw, R- Kieran Reid, the team. And they're down and they're pushing. They're putting all their weight together with one mind and one purpose to get that ball, get it out to the backs and score a try. Just imagine what would happen if Kieran Reid said, ah, oh, no, I can't be bothered with the scrum today. It's the World Cup, but it doesn't really matter. Oh, well, nah, I'm not going in there. And Richard McCall said, no, I've just hurt my big toe. Just, that was a bit sore. No, no, just leave it for you five guys. I know there's seven on the other side, but... How their effectiveness is weakened. How they would be just absolutely mowed over by the opposition. When we're not one, it incredibly weakens the strength that God has purposed and invested in us. I love the oneness as a church that we had when we were out on the muck day. Wasn't that awesome? Absolutely awesome. What about if we said this, we're going to be one church putting all our weight together to be involved in small groups for 2016. Wouldn't that be good? We're all going to go in the scrum. We're all going to be committed into small groups because that's where we can do pastoral support of being practical, being present, um, being positive, being prayerful with one another in a really tight-knit way. Putting our weight together and going, yeah, I'm I'm ready with this. What about putting our weight behind monthly prayer meetings? I'm going to add my weight. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be in one mind, and I'm going to push with my teammates, with my partners. That's what I'm going to do. And they're good. What about, I'm going to be one heart, one mind to express the goodness of God to my neighborhood. I'm, I'm binding in, I'm locking in, I'm adding my weight. Rather than going, oh, it's okay for you guys. Should have pushed a bit harder. Yeah, well, that wasn't a good pass. Come on, come on, get that scrum up. What Paul is saying, let's put our weight together. Let's press together. Let's push together. And do you know, here's the thing. As good or as perfect as the church at Philippi was, and Paul holds it up as a model church. He goes around to Corinth and Greece and he says, man, if you want to be a model church, look at the church at Philippi. They give and they partner with me like nobody else. Paul holds them up in high esteem like no other church in the New Testament does he hold up the church of Philippi. So there's a lot we can learn from them. And yet, here's the thing. It was a great church, but it wasn't a perfect church. Because they had a bit of a problem with church unity. And here's the thing. When we come to church, if you look for the perfect church, you're going to be looking a long time. So don't come to church looking for the perfect church. Come how I can look with unity, putting my weight behind so things get better, so things can improve. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Paul's saying, see you later. This is what he says. Aim for, per- aim for per- perfection. I know you're not perfect, but aim for perfection perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be a one mind. Here's that one mind thought again. Live in peace and the love of God and and, and the God of love and peace will be with you. It's easy to focus on negative things, but Paul is calling. Let's work together and focus on the main things, the big things. Let's be one. Romans 15:5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a purpose to be unified so we can glorify God with one heart and one mind. Can I share you know, one of my wonderful dreams? I, I've... Do you know what I like about dreams and what I love about thoughts? Can you guess what it is, Wayne? Oh, Wayne can't. Can you guess what it is on? No. I'll have to tell you, won't I? Okay. Is the suspense building? Do you really want to know? I'm not sure if I'll tell you. Do you really want to know? Oh, do you really, really, really want to know? Okay, that's some interaction. That's good. It's really, really simple. <laughs> the thing about a thought is you can revisit it. You can revisit it. And if it's a good thought, you can revisit it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'll tell you a good thought that Jesus had. Jesus said when he was on the cross in, in Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy of, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, for the joy he set before him he endured the cross, despising the shame. You know, Jesus was so positive and so looking forward with joy that was set before him on the other side of the cross. He was so confident about it. That was seeing you and me and the church. That joy motivated and pushed him through to it. And he could have played that picture over and over and over and over his mind. And guess what? It would have built hope and 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 hope. So we can replay those good thoughts. And so I want to really encourage you. Let's be a church agree on to replay the good thoughts, the good things. I think about mucking. It's good. I think about the salvations we have throughout the year. I think about the water baptism. I think about the great small groups. It's really good to celebrate. It's really good to replay those thoughts. So Philippi, it wasn't all harmonious. There were two women, I'm sorry to say, It only takes one guy, I know. But there were two women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least you're listening, so that's good. Uh, okay, Philippians 2, 4, it says, uh, here we go. Now I appeal, this is the Apostle Paul, um, you are dear, and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And we don't know what the disagreement was. They could have come to church in the same dress. I don't know. <laughs> sorry they, they they may not have agreed on the children's program they may not have agreed on the color that the church was plain, painted they, they may not have agreed on the way that the gospel was being spread we don't know we don't know but Paul is getting this big idea across be one be unified don't waste your time on disagreements, because it just undermines the power of what God wants us to do. When we're, when we're in a scrum all together, we, we, we've got a lot of push. I look at what we do with global missions in Asia and Europe. It's because we're putting our weight together. I look at, you know, Mark and Dave, as I mentioned, we put our weight together, being one Now, unity doesn't mean we need to agree on everything. We don't need to agree that we like the same music. We don't want to have to agree that we like the same ice cream. Vanilla is my favorite, just by the way. You don't like it? No, okay. Vanilla is fantastic. French vanilla takes the cake. We don't have to have the same political affections, but we do need to agree wholeheartedly with one another for the cause of Christ. We do need to agree that we're here to see the gospel proclaim the good news of Jesus. We do need to agree that we're going to share the goodness of God. And we need to be very intentional and equally determined in our unity with Christ and with one another to see the mission of Christ fulfilled. Unity is a big deal. Psalm 133 Uh, It says, how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity. The last verse goes, for there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forever more. Isn't it incredible? God commands blessing when there's oneness. Isn't that cool? Very good. So Paul goes on in verse 3. He talks about being one of one mind then he talks about what I describe as a hundred distractions. There's a lot of things that distract us from having one mind, from being unified. Paul lists a number here. These are not exhaustive. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. There's all sorts of ways that selfishness can express itself, be it self-righteous, self-indulgent, self-absorbed. The list can go on and on. You know, don't try to impress others. I was talking to two of my children last night, and it, said it reminded me of a song, Shania Twine, You Don't Impress Me Much. And uh, I said, shall I sing it? And they said, Dad, Dad, don't even mention it. So <laughs> there we go. I have to tell them that I did. So don't try to impress. And then here comes the, the key right now that Paul says... That we build unity on. Here's the key for happy, prosperous, healthy, vibrant relationships in church life and work life and every part of life. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Isn't that cool? Be humble. Do you know, uh, we all enjoy music, I'm sure. Being humble, being in one mind is like just dialing the radio into the frequency. And okay, go, yeah, I'm, I'm dialing this in. I'm dialing in oneness. I'm, I'm dialing in humility. That's where I'm going to. I'm dialing it in. Yeah. When I was um, you know, d- d- thinking of others as better than yourselves, my, my dad, uh, when I was a young kid, used to go and, and uh, visit my Auntie Marge. I thought she was a lovely old lady. I was seven or eight. And, and my dad would come away just fuming <laughs> after seeing Auntie Marge. And I could never quite get it, but he used to say, Auntie March, what is with that woman? All she does is talk about herself, and I can't even get a word in edgeways. She just goes on and on and on about what she's done and what she's going to do, and she never asked me about what's happening in my world. And then my dad would turn to me. Now, remember this a conversation's like a game of tennis, the ball goes both ways. Be interested in them and allow them to be interested in you, but just don't let it all be about you. Okay, Dad. <laughs> so thinking of others is better than yourselves. I mean, it, it's as simple and as a practical as being involved in good communication, yeah. being interested in them, what's happening in your world, and also sharing what's happening in your own world as well. You know, we're fast running out of time, aren't we? So be humble. Jesus said, don't look only for your own interests, but also take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I, just one thing about humility. I, I had a real test on this last weekend. Wendy and I were on our way to a wedding in um, Masterton. And we stopped at the southern end of the Manawatu Gorge at a place called Balance. And there was a nice cafe and we had a nice cup of tea and some food to eat. And I was going to take the back route to get to Masterton, because I thought that was quicker. And Wendy said, no, it's not. She said, it's the main, main highway. And I said, no, it's not. So we went particularly unified. <laughs> so, and she, I couldn't believe what happened next. I just couldn't. She went and asked the owner of the place. <laughs> I mean, how do you cope with that? What is the quickest way to Masterton? He said, I wish I got to him first. He said the main road. I said, I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it. I know these back roads, I've been on them many times. That's the quickest way. And when he said, no, no. He, the man who owns the shop said the main highway. So I jumped in my car and I was going, back road, main highway. <laughs> What am I going to do? And then I was thinking about this message. <laughs> the pride way, the humble way. Which way it's going to go? Oh, sorry, guys. I went on the main road. <laughs> oh, thank you, ladies. <laughs> oh, dearie me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, in, in Jesus' time, in the Apostles Paul's time, humility in, in a Greco-Roman world was thought of as a real weakness. And uh, if you look to the Old Testament, you know humbleness is very much about finding rest in God rather than trusting in one's own abilities or strengths. And Gordon Fee, a well-known theologian, says humility is the proper estimation of one'self before Creator God. And here's the estimation: utterly dependent and trusting on Him. That is the proper estimation. Any estimation that goes, I can do it my way, I can do it in my strength, is limiting the humility, is you limiting the honor and the grace that God wants to put upon our lives. In James 4, the scripture is very clear, God resists the proud, but gives grace, favor, empowerment, the humble. Now we mourn the loss of uh, Jonah Lomo, who's passed away just in the last week. And, you know, it's a real tragedy, isn't it? But I think there's a man who displayed real humility. Um, a wonderful example of it. And I heard the story about how he and one of his rugby mates was playing golf on the driving range. And after they played, there was a little boy who had no golf clubs. And so Jonah, nobody's around, passes over his golf clubs to this young boy. I just think that's... Awesome, and here's the thing Jesus expects humility because he models it himself. He expects it. We haven't got time to go through all of this today, but I am going to read the scriptures because I think they're absolutely wonderful. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took on the humble position of a slave. And was born as a human being. So he completely emptied himself of his divine rights and took up the privilege of a, well, a slave. That means in the Greco-Roman culture, he had no rights, a slave had no rights, and was at totally the whims of his master. He could be asked to do any work, any job, beaten, whipped, or even killed if the master chose to. That's the mindset that Jesus took as a slave. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The cross was put aside not for Roman citizens, unless they had been particularly um, unsavory by, with mass murders or treason. But it was for other nationalities, for, the, for other races. And it was for slaves, for criminals. Jesus just didn't die. He died The most horrific death. A death for slaves. A death set apart for criminals. And God, through Jesus and his humility, is not looking out for his own interest, but is looking out for the interests of others, which is you and me. Paul said, "'Don't be interested only in yourselves, "'but look out for the interests of others.'" Jesus is the greatest example of looking out for the interests of others. Therefore God elevated to him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a wonderful reward for the humility of Jesus. The honour of his Father. Who like the Apostle Paul saying, don't only look for your own interests, look for the interests of others. Paul says, be of one mind. There are many distractions. And here's the greatest example of Jesus himself. Humility. It's the key that unlocks unity. And so can I encourage you church as you go this week. Humility is not thinking less of yourself or more of yourself. It's thinking less about you and more about others. It's allowing you to be Jesus to those around you. And it has real power when we stand in agreement with one another and put our weight together for the purposes of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the wonderful story, Lord, of Philippians chapter 2. Thank you for the privilege it is to be one with you and to be one with one another, that we can add our weight together to see the plans and purposes, our work in our own lives, our families, our places of work, our city and the nations for the glory of God. Father, thank you for the journey you have us on as a church. And Father, although we're not perfect, like the Apostle Paul said, may we aim for perfection, which is found in humbling ourselves before you and serving one another. Father, may we excel in this, I pray, and for you to be all the glory and all the praise. While every eye is closed and every head is bowed. If you don't know what it is to call Jesus Christ your Lord and Saviour, As we read, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus and asked him into your life to be your Lord and your Savior, I want to give you that invitation today. That's you. If you want to give me a wave, just take a few moments. That's cool. Father I thank you for the privilege of serving you for the privilege it is to be one with you and one with one another may we Lord look out for the interests of others by showing and living a life of true humility that doesn't abase ourselves nor exalt ourselves but we live in utter trust and dependency upon you for you're worthy of all the praise of all the glory In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless. Thank you, Church.
1: Thank you, Pastor Ray. That was an excellent message. Great practical stuff there, wasn't there? I hope you got it down on your notebooks this morning. Great to go over and to read that again this week. So thank you, God, for your word today. Now, a quick reminder that we are at 10am next Sunday. Uh, It is going to be a little bit of a mixture of our uh, 9am and 10.30 together. And it'll be great to to be together as a church family. Plus, we've also got 6pm gathering tonight and Pastor Sheridan's going to be speaking tonight. So pray that he'll be awake and rearing to go. 6pm tonight. Uh, Thank you, church, for your giving. A reminder that uh, we can be purposed in our giving. So thank you, God. I declare your blessing upon your church and I thank you, God, uh, for uh, the blessing of being able to uh, be blessed to be a blessing that we can be purposed in our giving. I thank you, God, for overflow. I declare overflow upon our homes, all the homes represented here, God. And I, I, I thank you for your um, uh, blessing upon these finances. I thank you, God, that we can. Uh, use these finances to impact our city and our nation and the nations. And I declare blessing uh, and salvation and your greatness to be known in our city and our nation and nations. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you are with us new new today, then please grab a guest bag as you go out on the right and the foyer. And if you would like prayer, please come up for prayer. As we finish now, then we would love to pray with you. Have a wonderful day.